<clears throat> here even in our town, I don't know if you know this, and for many of you who may have not um, been exposed to other places other than hot springs, we don't sell rocks. But because of the distribution of different types of minerals and rocks, people come here and buy rocks. I still really hadn't gotten over that to each his own, I guess. You can go downtown and buy a rock that's about the size of a quarter. And on this rock, there's a little indention. And the theory behind this rock is that you're to, whenever you get in an opportunity where you want to worry or, or be stressed out about things, you take that stone and you hold it in your hand and you rub your thumb across it. That's puzzling to me. And if you talk to people uh, around town who sell the rocks, they'll say, uh, you know, for this little swirly stone, as it's called, uh, people will buy a few of them because they will wear them out. Which is also puzzling to me. It's just a stone. You know, over, over 18 million people within the United States say that they have at least one of these worry stones that they use quite frequently. And the demographic of people who buy these the most are 15 to 44. I'm right in there. Worry in and of itself is a killer of people. It's a killer of hopes. It's a killer of dreams. <laughs> it eventually becomes a killer of organizations and even churches because of what it amounts to. Worry is a big deal to, to very many people. A lot of people worry over money or, or job security or relationships. Many worry over health, which once again seems odd. You know what it does to your health when you worry? You know, 91% of the things that we worry about never even happen. Or if you want to turn that coin over, depends if you look at half full or half empty. 9% of the stuff that we do worry about happens. It's all about how we look at these things. It would be Jesus who would speak about this topic. And he begins in Matthew chapter 6. And he begins speaking about the general things that you and I worry about. Notice Matthew chapter 6 beginning in verse Number 25, here he will, will speak and say, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought of your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, or what you shall put on your body, for is the life not more than meat, the body not more than raiment. Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are, are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to your stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is in cast into the oven. 
Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? And therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Take, therefore, no thought for the morrow. Uh, for the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. As Jesus is right in the middle of this Sermon on the Mount, he begins to speak to us about the idea of priorities. He begins to speak to us about important things. But he begins to speak to us when he, when he speaks about those important things by saying they're not as important as we think they are. Food, shelter, clothing, those are important things, aren't they? By show of hands, how many of you ate today? And as I look out, we all have clothes. By show of hands, how many of you did not eat just because you chose not to? Those are important things. Being hungry is, is no good. Being thirsty is no good. Uh, being in a, in a storm with no shelter is no good. Surely those things uh, mean something to us as we physically live here, don't they? Oh, absolutely. However, if we make those food and, and clothing and, and shelter our life and our goal of life, what we have is a shallow view of life. You remember the Andy Griffith show, how it would begin, and, and <coughs> excuse me, and Andy and Opie would walk down to the, the edge of this uh, small lake, and they would grab a stone, and they would, they would throw it across there. And you never got to see what happened, but in my mind, I, I think uh, they both skipped it all the way across there. You know, it's, it's the shallowness with which you throw that rock where that rock will just skip across the top of that water. And it is the shallowness of life when we say life is only food and clothing and shelter and the things that we need here physically. What a shallow view of life that is. Jesus points us toward the birds. Do they search for food? Sure. You think they've ever been without food? Then there's ever a time when they said, well, I, I just can't find anything. God provides that food for them. Have you ever seen a bird sitting on your bird bath there at the, at the backside of your house thinking, boy, am I, I hope I get something to eat today. You see him wringing his little wings and, and just stressed out and sweating over that idea. You know when that bird thinks about eating? When he's hungry. What about these plants that God has given to us? Uh, do, do these plants that these birds often eat, have they, have they planted those? Why no? They go and eat those seeds off of there. And do they, do they gather those things and put them in storehouses? Why no, they don't. And Jesus would ask you once again, yet they're not falling out of the sky due to, to hunger and starvation, are they? Oh no, they eat all the time. They eat every day and, and they are uh, just 
happy with the things that God provides them. Now Jesus points us once again toward those flowers. My wife loves flowers, <clears throat> loves the color purple in all variations. And uh, you can go out in the yard at certain times of the year and see different types of flowers. We can go to your yard and see all kinds of flowers and, and all kinds of bushes that would produce those flowers. We can look around the world of botany and see just how it is that, that God provides color for this world. How beautiful those things are. I remember walking uh, from a village called Marakabai in Guyana to a village called Bulletwood, also in Guyana. And we, uh, we walked with some gentlemen who kind of kept us, uh, I think, from not getting eaten. And I appreciate those guys. And it may have been uh, three-quarters of a mile in between these two villages. But you, in three-quarters of a mile, you went right straight through the jungle. It's not a place for a kid from Alabama. And we, we make it about 500 yards into this trip. And the jungle recedes. And you walk for the next 300 yards in a field of beautiful orange flowers. And they're probably hip tall. And the, the guys who are with us are afraid that something will jump out of there. And I'm just kind of looking at it like, that is amazing. How beautiful it is that, that you can be in the greenery and see all of those birds and things that are around you in that jungle only to walk out and see yet another color palette that God would choose for his world. The, the, the beauty of nature around us is, is captivating. And yet Jesus would say, look at Solomon, the richest man in the world. Had everything that he wanted, uh, could have gotten anything in the world that he wanted, and yet he was not clothed in the same fashion as these flowers. And then Jesus points us toward this idea, hey, if God will take care of these flowers, will he not take care of you? If God will take care of these things, will he not take care of us as his children? Absolutely he will. And then we make it down to the key of this particular uh, section of scripture, verse number 31, where he begins, it says, take no thought of what shall we eat or what shall we drink or how are we going to be clothed. As a matter of fact, he makes this statement. These are the things that the Gentiles seek after. Those Gentiles uh, in the spiritual sense, those who are only living for right here. He goes on further to say this. Your heavenly father knows he knows what you need. Imagine being God himself having the ability to create and yet not know what your creation needs. He says, God knows what you need. He knew how to create you. He knows exactly what you need. And he goes on to say, say this, but, there's your contrasting word, but, out of all of these things, put those to the side, but seek ye First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Now look at this particular verse. But, here's the contrast. The difference between those who are physical and those who are spiritual. But, 
but seek. There's an effort there. There's an effort that, that I'm going to have to want to follow after God and do the things that he says. But seek ye. That's you individually. That's you personally. You have to seek these things. But seek ye first. And here's your priority. What am I seeking first? The kingdom of God. Those heavenly interests. Those ideas that God would put forth. And his righteousness to be separated unto his glory. And all these things shall be added unto you. This proper perspective. You want to see how these things fit together as the rubber meets the road? I'm going to ask you one question, and you can only answer with one word in your mind. Okay? <clears throat> and you cannot think. You just have to answer straight off of your gut. Are you ready? Define yourself in one word. You got it? Okay. Stop right there. Put over here in your, in your uh, memory what that one word is. You want to know where, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you, really lies? Here's where it really lies. Billy, define yourself in one word. Father, now, I've missed verse 33. I've missed it. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. You see, anything else that is not Christian or child of God or follower of God or those types of things, anything that I have decided to, to uh, address my life in one section or in, in one area, just to say, this is what I am, I have missed the boat. It's about priority. Am I a father? Yes. But I'll never be the father I'm supposed to be. Am I a husband? Yes. But I'll never be the husband I'm supposed to be. Am I a, a worker in the church? Yes. But I will never be the worker I'm supposed to be until I begin to seek God first. He can't be second. He can't be third. He will take no other place other than first. So when I look at this idea and I go back and I say, seek ye first, this is for me. And the priority happens with the kingdom of God. Everything in my life should and ought to, as a Christian, revolve around the kingdom. Revolve around me serving my God to the best of my ability. Let's put some legs on verse number 33. How am I supposed to do that? Well, it begins by a change of thought. You know, the idea of repentance, <coughs> as you and I look at that, <clears throat> begins with the change of mind Understanding that these things that are sinful are wrong, which leads me to a change of action, which means when I know and understand these things are wrong, then I don't follow down those paths anymore. The same idea is found here with prioritizing the kingdom. It is necessary that I put those things first, and everything subsequently falls to second place or lower. 
Do I love my bride? Absolutely. With everything that I have. Is she first? Some of you don't want to shake your head that way. Why not? Well, she's supposed... She is the first thing I will take care of on this earth. She's not first in the priority list. You say, well, that's tough. Well, let's go to her side then. You love your husband? Thank you, I appreciate that. Am I first? No. The priority in the Christian's life is to follow God First, and everything else relationally or everything else within this world as I deal with people who may be Christians or may not be Christians, everything that I do in my life, everything that I do in my marriage, everything that I do anywhere, anytime will revolve around the church. Notice what Jesus says. How many of you have a Bible that has red writing in it? You see verse 33? You see that it's in red? Now listen, these are the words of Jesus the Christ. But seek ye first. Now, let, let, let's change up the syntax a little bit of the old King James Version. Are you ready? But you seek as a priority the kingdom of God and everything else will fall into place. You want to know what Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 means? It means your priorities need to be in the right place. My priorities need to be in the right place. And when they are not, everything sort of gets askew. Everything sort of gets out of, out of sync. Why? Well, because I'm, I'm saying that I want to live as a Christian, but that's not really really how I'm living. I say I want to follow after God, but that's really not what I'm doing. When you and I put into practice the idea of seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you, then we understand what a proper perspective of here and there really is. It's a mindset when my mind is looking toward eternity, my present will take care of itself. What a great idea. When my mind is looking toward eternity, the present will take care of itself. Jesus would say that in verse, 20, uh, in verse number 34. Hey, man, you forget about tomorrow because the evils of the day are sufficient for that day. You don't worry about that. Tomorrow and its problems are coming. You worry about today. As a matter of fact, if Jesus were waxing poetic in verse number 34, he could say this. He could say the, uh, the problems of tomorrow no longer exist. Nope, the problems of yesterday no longer exist. The problems of tomorrow hadn't gotten here yet. So take care of today. As he's looking at that, he's asking us to prioritize our lives. He's looking at us and saying, is your life in proper perspective of the way it ought to be according to God's kingdom? And that begins by answering this question. Have you been obedient to the gospel? If the answer is no, <coughs> I have great news for you today. You can be. You can prioritize your life 
properly. You can put God in the place where he's supposed to be first and not any other, any other priority in your life. Simply hearing is not going to be enough, even though it would be the Apostle Paul who would write that hearing is necessary, Romans 10, verse number 17. Simply believing is not enough, even though it would be the writer of the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 11 and verse 6, who would say that believing is necessary, for without faith it's impossible to please him. It would be Jesus who would say repentance is necessary, but he didn't say repentance only. In Luke chapter 13 and verse number 3, I tell you, nay, except you repent, shall all likewise perish. It would once again be Jesus who would say in Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 32 that confession is necessary. And as a matter of fact, in John chapter 14 and verse 6, he would go on to, to really verbally uh, put out there the, the confession that should be made. Jesus is the truth, the life, and the way, the only way to God the Father. John chapter 14 and verse 6. Did you know he didn't say, just say that alone? Just as much as in Mark chapter 16 and verse number 16, he didn't say, just be baptized. Although he said baptism is necessary, he didn't say, just be baptized. It is all of those uh, fingers of that plan working together that takes man from a sinful condition to the opportunity to access the blood that was shed by Jesus the Christ on that cross so many years ago. It is that, that idea of man putting himself away and putting God in his proper place and bowing down before that throne. It is the position where man would take full submission to the authority of God. And it's stated by Jesus in these simple words. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Could be the fact that you've already done those things. And as you look back at your life, sometimes you'd say, uh, looking back at it, well, those priorities were a little little out of whack there. I, I did not have God where I should have had God. I did not give him the proper respect I should have. Well, let me say this to you, brother or sister. Come back home. Put God in his, his proper perspective. Give him back the throne that he so rightly deserves. Submit yourself to that throne. Be a servant. Then when you close your eyes in death and you wake, you open those eyes into eternity, have that same God that you have submitted to standing there waiting with arms wide open saying to you, well done. But seek ye first. If you haven't been seeking him first, today is the day. Come, 
while we stand and sing for your encouragement. In the sweet voice of Jesus.